Welcome to the Free Mind Podcast. Well, we're back again. A couple housekeeping items right up front. Um, my bad, but if you listen to the podcast, uh, I guess it. I don't know when you would have listened to it, but if you listen to it on the first day for like the first few hours, it was only coming out like for 30 minutes on Apple and stuff like that. So if you, if it cuts you off weirdly in the middle of us talking about impact 360, then just go back and catch the last 30 minutes. Cause we really, I feel like didn't get rolling, rolling until about 20 minutes in and covered that material. But um, I think it's an important podcast because it's kind of laying out the trajectory of what we want to talk about over this season. We're going to talk about more things than that and also try to cut touch on just everything that pop up like we normally do. But we do want to like refer back to that because I think it just unpacking that over this next time, this, those kind of three things, where are we going to go from here? Um, separatist pietism, defensive evangelicalism, or reform Kuyperianism, and what do those mean? How do we navigate through those? Um but we did start out last time talking about how we, or, you know, at least how I had felt like we were in many ways let down by many of our evangelical leaders in the past few years when all these crazy things were happening. And I was intentionally like vague and kind of abstract and speaking in code. So I thought it might be worth it um, just to just to, to dive into that little that part a little bit more um, so we could explain just with a little more clarity what we meant by that so we're not leaving it so abstract, um, if that makes sense. Huh. What do you think, babe? It's good. I think we were kind of talking in code. code. Right, so right. it'd be good to share. And one of, one of the things, you know, I'm going to pull in another video to help us with this because one of the things with our podcast, we're not just, you know, for us, this isn't just like, oh, man, this is a cool idea to expand our platform. If anything, this is a perfect way to lower your followers yes. <laughs> on social friends. media and lose friends. So we'll write we'll write lose the opposite influence. of Del, Del Carnegie's book on how to influence people and win friends, how to how to not influence as many people and go. lose friends. So this is, the way. This is it. This One is this is we have cracked the code here at Free Mind <laughs> Podcast. But uh, with that in mind, sure. you know, we're not necessarily trying to create all this no. original content. A lot of this stuff is like what we're learning from others. We just want to pass it on. And sometimes people say things so well that I'm like, I'm not going to try to say this as, yeah. as well as they did because they just nailed it. So I just would rather play theirs, comment on it, because um, I think Process it's really helpful. It, yeah. So to go back to, uh, I, we actually heard this uh message from Douglas Wilson after we did our last podcast. And I was like, man, he said that what I was trying to say in really, really abstract language, he said it really well. So I'm going to play through this. We're just going to talk through it. Introduction. Suppose we were defending a city and you and I and two other guys were sentries on the wall. You, of course, are a most reasonable fellow, as am I. So that's all good. But unbeknownst to us, the sentry on our left is really on the enemy's side, and the guy on the other side of us is the sweetest fellow ever, and cannot be prevailed upon to believe anything negative about anybody, which would include those who might be attacking our city. Between us girls, he really shouldn't have been allowed even to be a sentry, but he does bring the men coffee and cocoa, and he is a very pleasant companion in the midwatch. The two of us in the middle are known for our extremist views, by which is meant the fact that we can see the enemy approaching, and we have actually been discussing sending up another alarm about it once or twice. So just real quick, you know, he's telling the story to kind of make this point. 
the extremist in this case, he's using it sarcastically because, you know, he's he's become known in many kind of in big evil world as an extremist. Um, I would say oftentimes because he does teach just like the Bible, like in, in strong ways and in ways that don't always sugarcoat things the way we're expected to sugarcoat things in this culture. Would you agree? He is a very eloquent and strong way with words too. (laughs) He delivers his analogies. Yes. And And blog uh, and may blog, the tagline is theology that bites back. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's, He's not for the faint. <laughs> yes, yes. So a lot of sarcasm. You have to kind for of, sure. you know, think through that if this is your first time. Uh, and, and I will put this link in the description so you can go back and listen to this video again if you'd like. I think it's worth it really, really uh, kind of going through in detail. Um, but, yeah, so he's talking about this this situation where we're on the regarding the castle, the sentries, the, the troops, you know, and you got this person. They keep sending up the alarm bell, but the person, you know, I think he said, what, to the left? That's yeah. the really nice guy. So just kind of stick with this for now. We'll okay. try to explain it as we go. Before, during the night, one of us walked over and rang the bell, and there was a great pother about it. The captain of the watch, who was a really nice guy also, just like the sentry to our right, was actually starting to get annoyed. It was quite something to behold. But he was not annoyed at the fact of enemies approaching, but rather with the fact that he had people in his guard who kept ringing bells in the middle of the night. So there we were, discussing ringing the bell yet again, because we were pretty sure, a euphemism for absolutely certain, that we saw them still coming. The sentry to the right was expostulating with us. Why this alarmism? Well, you said, it is because we are stationed by this alarm here, and our orders in the book say that we are supposed to ring it if enemies approach. With that, you point out into the gloaming, out to the mountains that surround our fair city, trying to get him to look. Well, I just don't interpret things in the same black and white way you do, the nice guy said, staring hard at the tower in the middle of the city. Not there, behind you, you reply. More extremism on display. Quote, and when Gale saw the people, he said to Zebul, Behold, there come people down from the top of the mountains. And Zebul said unto him, Thou seest the shadow of the mountains as if they were men. And Gale spake again and said, See, there come people down by the middle of the land, and another company come along by the plain of Maonim. Then said Zebul unto him, Where is now thy mouth, wherewith thou saidst, Who is Abimelech that we should serve him? Is not this the people that thou hast despised? Go out, I pray now, and fight with them. Judges 9, 36-38. I love the word spake. <laughs> and then the sentry over on the left, the enemy plant, who'd been quiet up to this point, said to the sentry over on our right. Sorry, so I said to the left before, the sentry Sorry. on the right is the nice No, it was my fault. Okay, I said it. So the guy on the right is the nice guy. The guy on the left is actually an enemy that okay, you didn't know was an enemy. You so, okay. If you want to grow in your confidence in knowing what you believe and why you believe it, If you want to ground your faith in biblical Christianity and step into who God has called you to be, I want to tell you about a great program put on by Impact 360, and it's called Propel. Propel is a one-week transformational leadership and discipleship experience where high school students gather together to be grounded in a biblical worldview as they learn how to follow Jesus, have a godly influence, learn how to disciple their peers, and boldly live out their faith in their daily lives. So they're having two sessions this summer. The first one is June 19th through the 25th, and the second one is June 26th through July 2nd. These programs fill up really quickly, and I promise you, you will not be disappointed. So we'll put the link below if you're interested in looking into it, and we'll see you this summer. And then the sentry over on the left, the enemy plant, who'd been quiet up to this point, said to the sentry over on our right, 
Where is now thy mouth? You are going to die also, just like these two noisy buckets, the sheepdogs that wouldn't bark. How many reassurances need to be proven false before we stop believing those reassuring noises? How many times did faithful sentries have to get written up for ringing the bell before we realize that the wrong guys are in charge of this outfit? The established leadership of Big Eva has consistently, and for decades now, been warning the people of God about all the wrong dangers. That right there. Jeez Louise. Okay. It's it. So Big Eva, we'll talk more about that as, as the season unfolds, but it's uh, it's the kind of the big institutions, the one that lead evangelicalism. Some people was typically say the Gospel Coalition, uh, uh, TG something else, I can't remember what it is. Um, some of the bigger institutions, some of the bigger universities, some of the publishing companies, kind of this conglomeration and connections that have sort of its own guild, its own gatekeepers, but they kind of determine the trajectory of, of the large ship of evangelicalism okay. in America. We could say more about that in the future, but <clears throat> he'll mention a few of the people that are well-known and, and established and at least uh, in part of that determining group that, that leads us in certain directions. But I think that's important. He's saying for decades now, they've been alerting us of the wrong dangers. Mm about the things that are not the true threat. It is as though, in the months running up to Pearl Harbor, the people in charge of all the defenses there had been warning the people about a possible Peruvian invasion from the east. You doubt what I say? So right on the threshold of a major satanic offensive against God's design for human sexuality, gender roles, the definition of marriage, and the family, what were our approved voices telling us to guard against? Don't you remember? That's right, our idolatry of the traditional family, or our making a fetish out of heterosexuality, or the fact that your congregation in northern Wisconsin did not reflect the same demographic realities that will be present at the general resurrection. <laughs> That's so stupid. Um, wow. Another example of this is like, so I, I was listening to somebody the other day and they were talking about how, you know, how do you know if your pastor, I'm just going to say how they said, how, how do you know if your pastor is a coward? <laughs> and they were saying one of the ways you know that they're not is, um, have they preached on how women sin in the past two years? Oh. Now, what do they mean by that? Yeah, that's interesting. They said it's easy in our cultural context to rail on men. To call men boys who shave, you know, and, and people who, you know, they don't take care of women's hearts and that kind of thing. And they said, you know, all that can be true and all that needs to be preached on. But typically what happens if your pastor, it, pastor is a coward, for instance, they said, is that they'll only preach on that, but not preach on the sin of women. Why? Because we live in a culture that loves to rail against the patriarchy. So it's okay to beat up on the quote unquote oppressor. Okay. But you can't beat up on this, quote unquote, oppressed. So that's why there's a temptation if the pastors are, t are always, you know, kind of trying to catch the wind of the culture yeah, to not preach on things that are unpopular in the culture. So if they are preaching the whole counsel of God, they're going to hit all sides, but they're also going to hit things that are unpopular to hit in the culture. Mm. And that's, in essence, what he's talking about here is like the big Eva has this trickle down effect even to our own pastors where they just want to figure out more so like what's going on in the culture and, and sway with that. Yeah. Stay because, cool, stay popular and don't yes. ruffle any feathers. And there's a whole reason okay. why. And there's a, you know, formula to that. And some people are, are very good at that preaching in ways that kind of, you know, they, they can, you can keep your 
um, spot at the table with the cool kids is I think he says often some other people say and so and then there's a, a big uh, move to not offend a single soul as you're teaching right. or preaching it's like right. the word is sort of confrontational not yes. sort of it is confrontational and right. offensive to those who, who don't want to hear the truth and so you just kind of tailor the message to that which makes people feel good is the temptation yes. and, okay. and part of that is I think rooted in a false definition of love right Ooh, and, okay. uh, and maybe even a false gospel of like you know it's like add a little Jesus to your life Instead yes. of repent and, you know, he repent you and believe. just the way you are and that's all there is to it. Yes, so it's a lot of these like okay. words and definitions and concepts in our head, the secret sensitive thing all plays into this conglomerate of what Big Eva has even oh. uh, capitalized on and catalyzed and even moved forward. So. Sure. Which is like telling a church in the north of Finland that they didn't have enough Congolese members. That's right. We put up with that kind of nonsense for years from men like Tim Keller, Russell Moore, David French, Matthew Hall et al., which is Latin for and al, molar. Beware of rising Peru in the east. But please note, returning to my first illustration, I'm not charging these men with being the sentry to the left, the guy who's actually on the side of the bad guys. No, they are good guys who nevertheless still failed at their assigned job. Mm. So back to our discussion last week right we were talking about like who is who like if you yeah. if it's like a, a a murder mystery <laughs> um you're trying to figure out like who's the bad guy who's the yeah. who's not the bad he's guy but he's actually a good guy um but he's been deceived by the bad guys and he's maybe carrying water for them unbeknownst and everything in between right so he mentions these four guys and you know again like tim keller for instance i've i've taught his material at our young adult ministry. I yeah. don't know if you remember, but I, I used his book. I think it was every good endeavor to, um, teach about vocation and work. And, and I loved it. And I thought it was amazing at the time. And I used to, you know, tear through his stuff and I loved it, read a lot of his articles and I still, um, like I don't have any ill will toward him or hard feelings. I still like respect him and, and, you know, I pray for him. He's been really, really sick. I think with, um, severe cancer. Um, yeah, I heard about that. And so, you know, looking at that, it's it's not an easy thing for me to have to to have this awakening process over the past couple of years where you're like, wow, um, he has been doing a lot of what he's talking about here. He has kind of like been a forerunner in that way. He, I think he was a co-founder or maybe the sole founder. I'm not sure of the Gospel Coalition somewhere involved with that. And and that has been their kind of modus operandi is to is to take this thing and try to do like, you know, nuance the Bible to death in a way that ends up alerting you about the wrong dangers mm. and ends up trying to please the wrong people. And so then you got guys that he mentioned also David French. He's a little bit harder for me to think of as the guy on my right. Cause okay. he, 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 uh, gets my blood boiling at times a little bit, but David French, I just, ugh. Uh, yeah, that one. And, and then Russell Moore as well. Like those are ones I sometimes have a question mark on. Are they, are they good guys? But, you know, just for the sake of argument here, I think it's fine. Maybe, maybe they are, maybe they're like he's describing here, but this would be that, that group of folks in Big Eva that, you know, by and large, they're people we've loved over the years, but here's what they've done. They just keep giving us the wrong dangers. And then if you do ring the bell of alarm about the right thing they're they're calling you extremist alarmist right. this more offended kind of at you for ringing the alarm than exactly to exactly looking, and at the very least at, yeah. i think yeah. that that point is good to note okay gotcha they either refuse to see the real threat themselves french 
or they saw and spoke about the real threat, but somehow kept hiring people who wouldn't see the real threat. Moeller. And that's a quick reference to, you know, Al Moeller, he's the president, I think, at a, is it a Southern Seminary or whatever, but he people have been critiquing him lately because he has hired some high-level professors and maybe people even um, in the staff that have either, you know, slid, like they are somewhat committed to wokeness or, okay. you know, he's, he's kind of dialed back some of his positions on LGBTQ issues, conversion therapy, orientation, that kind of thing. So there's been this move and um, it doesn't seem yet like he's correcting it and moving in the right direction. So it's a, somewhat of a big controversy surrounding that issue in that world. Quote, but if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned. If the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Yikes, okay. That's a deep verse. Mm -hmm. That whole passage in Ezekiel is, you know, whew. It's uh, holding people accountable for sure. Yes. It's like saying, you preach the word, you be truthful yeah, or else. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm getting you. So yeah, I think... Maybe just the, the pressure to bow to man, the, the fear of man, or I don't know, I don't know people's motives, but um, it, certainly if these um, topics weren't popular, yeah, you wouldn't feel such a, a pull to preach on it. Or if you, if you knew that this would um, cause your congregation, <laughs> though true, well, yeah. you know what I mean, to, to, um, to part, then you know, you, you process that and you make a choice and they've chosen. So it's like, here we are. And that's why, you know, even as, even though we're talking about specific people and all that kind of stuff, like I'm not, again, I, I don't, I don't mean to present this thing like they're so awful and I would do so much better if I was in their position. Cause I know that that's in all of our hearts, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I can't imagine, like, imagine you've been a pastor, you've been faithful for many, many years, you know, you've tried to build, I'm going to say this, I have to come back to that, because I, I do think if you've built the ministry right from the ground up, then you'll be able to continue to do that well, yeah. and it won't be such a hard shift. But let's just imagine you got swept into the seeker-sensitive thing. You didn't see the dangers of it. True. You you kind of got caught up in the whole you know love thing and this and that. Um, and then you got these thousands of people. You got a staff of maybe, I don't know, 50 people that are depending on you. They've moved, they've, you know, all these things. Sure. And if you start speaking out on certain issues, you're going to lose, you know, X mem number members in your congregation. Many of them big don't big tithers. Um, there's a trickle down effect of maybe you have to now fire, you know, 20 mm. people or even five people, some of them your best friends, some of them you've labored with for years. So like there is that real sure. difficulty or if you've built in some of these cases, you, you know, you're president of the Southern Baptist Convention, you're going to upset a large swallow. There's all these implications of these things. And it's really, it really, really is hard mm. to do what he's saying there with that, with that passage, no matter what. But I think we have to do that. Like that's, that's the, that is at least the, the principle we have to come back to. And that's in the new Testament as well. You see that like yeah. even in the book of revelation, Jesus is chiding, you know, some of the churches cause you've tolerated this Ooh, and you've tolerated yeah. that and you haven't. Um, so that is at least one aspect, especially in leadership that we always have to bring ourselves back to that. We, there are certain things it, it requires wisdom, right? Cause mm. not every issue is like that. 
Um, you have to know and that everything is worth. Yeah, which ones are in that, that in that inner yeah. circle, um, and that this is you know it's debatable or not. And, and I think we'll try to make a case for the fact that um, on these hot button cultural issues, how Christians should be involved with politics, CRT, um, all these types of things, separatist pietism. I think especially given the times we're living in, it yes. definitely borders on that very, very important, almost central kind of thing. Um, so anyways, for now, we'll just kind of table that discussion. But yeah, let's keep on. Ezekiel here. 33, 6. Now, is there such a thing as idolatry of traditional family? Of course there is. Fallen humans are capable of fashioning an idol out of pretty much anything. But was that the actual threat looming on our horizon? What was actually headed our way? What was headed our way was something like a cross between the central plaza of South Sodom and Bourbon Street, and yet we were being warned about the white picket fences of a small town in central Iowa. The reason this happened is because our evangelical centuries had become creatures of intellectual fashions of thought, instead of students of the word and the world in the light of that word. They had in the world in the light of that word that's the important one of the important distinctions i think yeah it's like you want you want to go to church and receive a message that's relevant that speaks to the times that helps you understand the the battle that we're that's raging and um there are pastors who are doing that there are teachers and there are people that are doing that but i think to to right now week after week, be in a church that does not address a single thing other than personal love for Christ, I think um, it's missing out, falling yeah. short, and I'm, I'm being super kind and choosing the words because the times are so crazy right now. Yeah. In fact, when you hear about parents dropping their kids off at school and behind their back, they're taking their sons, yeah. putting them in dresses. And so everything's under attack. And so yeah. you want the church to be the beacon, to be the light, to be the place where people can find answers or at least leaders of the church yeah. can find, can be those um, guards yeah, and help um, steer the, the sheep <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and staying strong in the right way and being taught the right things. And so to take your cues from culture today is, is scary. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's, I think it was that statement that's typically attributed to Carl Bart. You have a, you know, a Bible in one hand and yeah, newspaper in the other, but I, I think the priority on how you interpret those is right. Like you interpret okay. the newspaper in light of the Bible. There you go. Um, whereas I think a lot of times in the, terms, in the big yeah. Eva movement, it's like looking to the newspaper and say, man, how can I kind of rearrange the Bible or contort it in just the right ways to, to, to come over okay, here and reach too. these people, oh. but accepting their premises in many cases. And to go to one of your points, which is interesting, you know, a lot of the churches, it would have been one thing if they were consistently pietistic and just okay. said, we're not going to ever address anything in culture. Oh, I see. You know, okay. I don't think that would be good either because it's not teaching the whole counsel of, sure. of God and equipping the saints for the work of the ministry because that requires... You know, it's got to touch life. It's got to be practical. It's got to be, I, I don't like the word necessarily relevant because of how it's been used, okay. but, but you're right. True. No, 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 you're right. And it needs to be, it needs to be applied to um, real life situations because the kingdom is not meant to be this abstract, ethereal, yeah. you know, 
just heaven when we in the future when we die but it's yeah. meant to be applied the principles of god and in that sense you're exactly right relevant but what was funny was many of the churches that would like swallow the whistle on every call you know what i'm saying they would not they would not make the call mm-hmm. when they needed to make the call when the George Floyd thing happened, all of a sudden they were having what you know the one oh, black family I in see. their church or something come I on stage see. and interviewing them because we need to hear black voices. And the funny part about that was all of a sudden they were engaging in cultural issues, I see. but they were only engaging in the ones that were going to make them popular in the surrounding culture. Yikes. And yeah. again, I don't think many of them necessarily intentionally did that, but that 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 direction was already. Pl- it was already flowing for us because it's okay to talk about the culture around mm. us as long as we're kind of flowing with them. Right. As long as we're not confronting, um, the, the megaphones, mm. um, whatever, uh, you know, you, you turn on, you know, Spotify, whatever they're advertising or whatever YouTube's advertising in the, in the, the, the thing, you know, that that's the propaganda they're trying to, so as long as you <laughs> right. kind of line up with that, you're good, you're fine. Yeah. And so that, that is problematic. And I think, you know, he's pointing that out here. So been educated by our institutions of higher respectable thought, which are in effect, just hot tubs of intellectual fashion. But notice what Lewis warns us against. I want to rewind that just a little bit because I think that's worth listening to again if I can find that. They had been educated by our institutions of higher respectable thought, which are, in effect, just hot tubs of intellectual fashion. So in many cases, like he's saying, our leaders in in the church have, you know, they've, they've kind of been indoctrinated and what, whatever these, whether it's seminaries that have also kind of given into that idea or even, you know, secular quote unquote universities, um, which are just, you know, indoctrination factories of whatever's fashionable. And that, that is a challenge, right? We cannot, we cannot as Christians, we don't give into fashion in that sense. Whatever's the hot thing, whatever's the trendy thing. That's almost, if, if that's even on your list to ask, like in doing mis- ministry or missiology, it's got to be like way down, maybe on page, you know, 10, on the back of page 10 in the nice. fine print. So notice what Lewis warns us against. When we go along with the quote unquote fashionable outcry of each generation, what happens then? Quote, the use of fashions and thought is to distract men from their real dangers. We direct the fashionable outcry of each generation against those vices of which it is in the least danger and fix its approval on the virtue that is nearest the vice which we are trying to make endemic. The game is to have them all running around with fire extinguishers whenever there's a flood and all crowding to that side of the boat which has already nearly gone under. That's one of the best quotes ever. Screw tape letters, everybody. Yep. See us. Lewis, one of my favorite books. Yeah, man. So good. Isn't that good? I love the way he says that. Like, and, and that is, uh, you know, this is Uncle Screwtape telling his protege Wormwood had a had a you know mess with the Christian. He's probably the I patient. think the patient is a Christian <laughs> by this point. But so the use of fashions and thought is to distract men from their real dangers. See, fashion yeah. can be used like that. Mm-hmm. Um, to distract us from the real danger. He said, we direct, direct the fashionable outcry. I know I'm just rereading him, but I think it's worth Good, it. Yeah. Of each generation against those vices of which it is in least danger. So that's like a, a friend who's not really a good friend, right? Who Ooh, you have real vices that they don't yeah. want to say anything about, but the vice that Yikes. you're least oh, that so you're good. least in danger of capitulating to. That's the to, one they're honing in on. That's the one they're going to hone in with yeah. you and, and beat up on that because it's like, you know. Wow. Um, and and fix its approval on the virtue that is nearest, nearest the vice 
which we are trying to make endemic. The enemy is trying to make endemic. And I love this uh, last analogy, these last two analogies where have them running around with fire extinguishers when there's a flood and all crowding on that side of the boat, which is already under. going under. Jeez. And that, man, it, that describes what has happened. And that even in the best of cases, this is, again, we're not talking about the cases here where people are being paid by George Soros on the side and we just thought they were great yeah. church folks or whatever it might be. These are, these are the ones that we are just taking for granted that, no, they're good folks, but they are like that century to the right. Mm. And they keep doing this. C.S. Lewis, the screw tape letters. And this is exactly what has happened to our evangelical elites. What we should pray for. There's going to be a recoil to all this madness. Right now, I don't think that can be avoided. I suspect that we are going to come down to a choice between some kind of a red pill blow up on the one hand and reformation and revival on the other. And because this is a big country, we even might get both. We might get attempts at secession, we might get a constitutional crisis, and we might get shooting. Whatever it is, I predict a mess. Our interest as Christians first should be the advancement of the kingdom of God. That means that we should pray for peace. While it is true that God often uses turmoil to wake his people up, he nevertheless does not instruct us to pray for that turmoil. Quote, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2, 1-4 But here's the trick about those quote-unquote quiet and peaceable lives. On the one hand, you have to guard yourself against the temptation to go to sleep while on sentry duty. Francis Schaeffer warned us about how we could be bought off with quote-unquote personal peace and prosperity. So that is a danger. On the other hand, we have to guard ourselves against those hectoring voices who tell us that God wants all men to be saved, and so we must take special care not to pray the way he said. That would be quote-unquote making an idol out of quote-unquote quiet and peaceable lives. Now, we shouldn't make an idol out of anything, but that does not change the fact that the Apostle Paul taught us that because God wants all men to be saved, we should therefore pray for a quiet and peaceable life in the suburbs with green lawns everywhere you look. And if we get that, which we did, we should have used the opportunity the way God instructed us for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Because we refused, by which I mean we found ourselves with leaders who warned us more about the idolatry of green lawns than they did about the orgies and pride parades downtown, we therefore squandered the opportunity God instructed us to pray for and which he mercifully gave to us. And that is why we are now having to do our current work of advancing the kingdom in the middle of clown world. If my suspicions are correct, it is also why in just a few years, we are going to be working at advancing the kingdom in an angry red pill world. Neither scenario is pretty, but faithfulness calls for it. Yeah, man. And I think he's right. You know, you, yeah. the red pill world is like the people that are being awakened to a lot of the stuff that's going on. You know, a lot of the propaganda, a lot of the all the connections, the deep state and all that kind of stuff. But they're moving into this angry red pill world. And becoming the very things that are like the extreme versions of what they acted like biblical Christians were. So it's it's this weird 
you know, kind of dance we're in. I think he's right. You know, it's instead of man taking advantage of the times in in America where you had kind of this background where mm. people accepted the broad strokes of Christian theism yeah. and been faithful in that. You know, we we opted for this like you know, try to reach the culture through their means and their methods. And I, and I, I think he's right that in many ways squandered that opportunity so that now we're not going to be in the place where, where you can have biblical Christianity peace and reach the, the culture around. It's going to be this upheaval of cl- crazy clown world. <laughs> as gotcha. he said. Spreading the kingdom in the clown world. It's, yeah. it feels that way for yeah. sure. You look yeah. around and you, even if you're kind of a, you know, just head in the sand, you sense it's just wild things going on in our nation, in our world, and it's things just aren't right. There's the the COVID, there's there's the education, <laughs> the there's 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 everything. And so it's like, um, wow, what what will we do? Yeah. How will we rally the troops and And that's good. And that's part of the reason why yeah. I think Wilson and many others uh, ourselves there's like, okay, we need to like you know, yeah. we're not, we're, it's hard work often to kind of get together and do these things and do all that stuff. And it's like, um, you know, but there's a calling right now, even for you guys that are listening to this uh, podcast or watching us here, it's like, we, we can no longer kind of sit around and let other people do it for us. That's the kind of the problem that got us here in the first place. We were delegating out, yeah. uh, you know, you had the old, um, Catholic split between clergy and laity. Um, we had our own right in, in the evangelical world and we were kind of divvying it out to the, the big Eva and, and letting our pastors do the, you know, the call to salvation every Sunday. And yeah. at best we might just, just you know, in, yeah. invite someone and tell them the music's really good. And we got good little skits, you know, Yeah. but yeah, the yeah. call right now is to, is like, man, all that stuff has been to go back to our first, you know, last, last week is like, that stuff has been shaken. Thankfully, many things have been revealed that already were there and that we just didn't know that for years um, we had been being not protected by some of these sentries at the gates or they were leading mm-hmm. us in the wrong direction in many cases. And even, you know, many people that we've done music with or, you know, seen on stage that we respected, you know, I think of even, you know, like Lecrae, like how I used to really you know, look to him as a, as a, as an artist that I could just in an uh, unqualified way say, yeah, that guy's, you know, he's solid, follow his ministry. And, and, you know, then, then you fast forward and, and what was it? Uh, in 2016, he's, he's on stage advocating for one of the most progressive Democrats in in the Senate race in, in Georgia. Um, a guy that in every way stands against biblical principles overtly. And you're just like, you're at this place now where you realize, okay, not, not to say, you know, Lecrae's off or cast him to the side, but you do have to now, we all have to take responsibility again and say, man, like, okay, Lord, we got to go to the scripture. We have to know the scripture. We have to stand for what's right. And we can't just sort of uncritically hand over the reins to these celebrities we've looked up to for years. Um, because in, in, probably many if not most cases they haven't seen the danger and rung rung rang and you know sent the alarm yeah. sounded the alarm 
And so if they haven't done that time and time again, I think it's just time to realize that's not their position. Like they're, they're not going to be, they don't need to be the watchman that you look to. You need, if you do, you know, we all, none of us are like the lone warrior either. I'm not saying we have to be individualists in that sense and basically not get help from anybody, but it should be apparent now who, who are trustworthy watchmen, Ooh, who are good. trustworthy watch women. Now that you put all of your confidence in them infallibly, but you do, yeah. you can put more weight on those people that were, that were battle tested and they were tried and true. That's why we, and that's what we try to bring to you guys as people that we, you know, again, not to say it's perfect and not to say that, you know, this is the same year that we found out crazy things about Ravi Zacharias. So it's like, Oh gosh. Um, but on, on the that other hand, hard. I do, I do think he's the anomaly. And, and for the most part, you can typically tell, um, in those kinds of situations, who you can trust. And I think it's time that you really start taking account of who are some of those folks that you can look to that are like the sons and daughters of Issachar. They understood the times and knew what to do. And so hopefully this helps. And I think we're having a time of reassessment, right? Re new alignments. Mm, um, for sure. You know, I'm not, I'm not from the reform background. So it's funny that like a lot of these guys, um, you know, showing you are, are like deep in the reformed cut, <laughs> but many of them, man, are like, yeah, are, are really, really, really getting it. And I think they're good guides for right now. Um, reassess, do, do that, do that recalibration, uh, reset the GPS, all that kind of good stuff. Any, any thoughts you have on all that? Yeah. He said it earlier, just how, um, people have abandoned studying the word for fashion. Mm. You know, you just have to anchor deep, become a student of that word yeah. and stay <laughs> in the word on its own terms. Um, you know, you interpret what's going on from the lens of the Bible and not yeah. vice versa. And then there's some great pastors out there that are doing that help in their congregations. I know there's a pastor and um, he's that careful that he brought in a a doctor who was for the vaccine and a doctor who was against so they could debate each other so that people can make an informed decision as opposed to just not saying anything we're just not going to touch it yeah. you know but he wanted to empower his entire yeah old bishop, bishop wooden. wooden he he does not play he he's he another really, voice we would consider a trusted voice he's definitely right now a, a leader and so it's like it's times where you have to you have to i know it's hard but every now and then just you know, I'm encouraging the students at the school. Listen, the days are over for one little tiny scripture here yeah. and there. Read a book of the Bible. Yeah, man. <laughs> know who and that's the it. main thing. Yeah. Like even above, like, yeah. you know, these, these kind of folks we're looking to, we really have to be conversant yeah. in the scripture. Definitely. And I know when you, you, you know, you have kind of an interesting, we're wrapping up here, but yeah. you know, what, when did you get into the Bible and how oh, did, gosh. what were some of the tools that helped you? You know, there was some study, you know, starting out, I, I mean, I didn't grow up studying the word. I was not in a Christian home, but when I uh, just started reading it in college, mm -hmm. I brought a study Bible and a study workbook that took me through the books of the Bible and studying that. And I'm still becoming, I mean, I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm studying the Bible now, diving into it, but I think just different kinds of studies you, you can do a, um, topical study you can study the book of Luke you can study the book of Isaiah and and I think um there's so many different ways mm. to go about it reading through the Bible in the year I, I I don't 
I, I prefer to just kind of take the time and read a book. But what's so great about right now is that I'm working towards a master's in music education and some of my courses are very much um, studying worship and what yeah. it means to orient your life towards worship mm. of the King of Kings and it's just changing me so much. So I think if you really want to come to the Bible and say, okay, I'm coming to this book, there's so much life here. I want to learn about God, his attributes, mm. who I am, who he is, and how he's created the world and his kingdom, what it's like. I think that's the most urgent thing you can do, period, yeah. as a believer, yeah. as someone who is um, a Christian. Yeah, man. And so, yeah, different kinds of studies. I like um, K. Arthur studies. Yeah. I've and done Dr. a lot Bob's of um, different studies. Um, I went through my Bethmore phase. I went through so many different phases, but now I just, I love commentary. So whatever your, your way of learning best, if, if it's sitting down reading, I definitely pray on the Holy Spirit to guide me. And there's some great teachers out there who have not fallen prey to the spirit of the age that mm. I love listening to. So yeah. that and those word. that do, you know, to kind of bounce back up, that's really good. It's helpful. Um, you know, I'm praying. Nothing would make me happier than to see like someone like Tim Keller at oh, this yeah. point say, Hey, this stuff I wrote on biblical justice is wrong in these ways. And here's why, and, and here's how I want to correct it. And here's how, you know, we need to move forward and all those kinds of things. I would love to see some of these folks that we have, you know, look to in the past sort of making about face. So, you know, be praying for them. I, I, I try to pray for them, even the ones that, you know, Get get me uh, riled up at times. <laughs> yeah, um, praying that they'll you know come back and yeah, and and it's help biblical. out because it could could be absolutely you know you, what you don't want them to do because this this is another side of it like part of the part of the culture right now is shifting against CRT like whereas at first like yeah. there were like a few oaks the parents is, is are the, definitely speaking whoosh, out yeah but now it's like there's a move like people are starting to see the problems with it in the pews okay and so some of the leaders are trying to get out in front of the, that didn't stand against it when they needed to oh, yeah? trying to get out in front of the parade and beat oh, the drum like I see. so you know i mean it, that's not a good thing hey, but hey if we're going in the right direction together. yeah it's that's all good it might, it <laughs> i might i might still not put my trust in them as a trusted leader sure. if i know that that's the the method they're doing mm. but at this point like even even more broadly speaking than just that issue we need guys to to have an about face right now to really turn away from a lot of those things they were they were pushing that really set us up for this moment now that we're in and and that's that's the that's the upshot of what we what i was trying to to cover last week so next time hopefully we want to go into a little bit more of like what is the separatist pietism and uh talk a little bit more about that in depth so we uh oh if you get a chance uh hit the subscribe button on youtube but like i said we don't know how long we're going to be there so we are on, on youtube rumble uh telegram hey come on somebody um gab we're on gab now and we do stuff on instagram as well so if you want to catch us there any of those sites we love to interact we want to actually have these discussions we think that it can be even more helpful than just doing these is like interacting with you guys email us we'd love to hear from you love to chat with you about this stuff that we're learning hopefully it'll help you guys as well see you next time blessings